Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining me today is Derek Lodermilk of The Art of Adventure. Derek, welcome to the show. Brendan, thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, my pleasure. Derek, you're no stranger to podcasts. You have a podcast yourself, right? The Art of Adventure, yeah. And um, this, was, this was started back four years ago when I, that was my latest Get Rich Quick scheme. And uh, as you know, podcasting is the, the fastest way to become a millionaire. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been running. It's been running for a while. I, I started and I said something I want to commit to doing 300 episodes mm. of a podcast just to, uh, you know, really dive in and, and be as good as I can possibly be. And so we're at like 230 right now. So I can see 300 coming, but I think I'm, I think I'll probably keep going. You know, I've, I really, I really love it. Wow. That's some feat. I, uh, I really acknowledge you for that. And I want to talk more about your podcast and get listeners more info on the art of adventure so they could check it out and, and learn more. But why don't we take a step back? Like, why don't you tell us your story, where you're from and, and how you got from being a little baby Derek to running retreats and podcasts and book launches and all this stuff. And it's, it's kind of funny cause I just moved back to St. Louis, uh, the city where I grew up. And I feel like uh, Odysseus returning home after like a decade-long uh, adventure, and that's pretty. That's pretty much what it's been. Uh, lived in dozens of countries across multiple continents and many states in the U.S. Uh, multiple tries at career success, only to uh, either just like not follow through or get fired or something like that. So I've been. Uh, I've been a microbiologist. I've been a professional cyclist. Uh, I've been fired from like probably five of my seven jobs that I ever held. Uh, eventually I started paying attention. Like this isn't working for you. This isn't working for you. And then you're like, gosh, okay, well now I need to try to find out what's going to work for me. Mm. Um, and back in, uh, I guess about five years ago, I dropped out of my PhD program and started my first business and headed to Vietnam where I figured if I could make a thousand bucks a month, I can live sustainably in Vietnam, uh, basically like indefinitely and figure my shit out. So that's what I did. I started a cycling coaching business. I was coaching four cyclists for $250 each per month to get my thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And I was spending about a thousand bucks a month and I was, I was cruising. It's great. Um, spent like, probably three of the last five years in Southeast Asia between Bali and Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand. Um, it's great, great places to live these, for cheap. These people, and these people you were a cyclist coach for, these were expats or locals? Uh, these were North American based uh, cyclists. All of them happened to be uh, collegiate cyclists that were, you know, younger athletes that were trying to become professional. So mm-hmm basically I was coaching them to the point where I had gotten myself. Uh, and then once they got even better, even faster than I was, I had to sort of like offload them to a Olympic level coach. Right. And how did you get, so when you moved, first of all, where in Vietnam, because I went last year and I loved it. Oh yeah. uh, Did you go by yourself and how did you get these people's clients? So, so I got these, uh, these clients, uh, through through just offering it to cyclists that I knew, I was the the head coach for the University of Montana or Montana State, 
And so there was a, there's like 25 riders on that team and there's other teams in Montana where I was living at the time. And so I just started telling people that, you know, I'm a coach. Uh, I'd love to love to train you. And most of them said, okay, that sounds great. Um, it was, it was pretty easy. I, you know, it wasn't a super expensive coaching for the, for the value that I was giving at the time. Uh, I think if you, if you were to compare, I think probably should be charging like a thousand bucks per person, uh, mm. would be a reasonable amount. So yeah, they're getting super, super great value. And, um, so basically, uh, I was with my, my ex, my ex, uh, wife, I am now married again, which has been part of this whole whirlwind. Uh, but I was, I was married for about a year and we basically did our entire honeymoon in Vietnam from North to South. Mm. And, um, in particular spending half the time living in Hanoi. No, in, uh, no, Hoi An, sorry. <laughs> well, Hanoi is a big city. Down, Hoi, Hoi the, down by Da Nang, right? Like on the coast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a small world heritage. It's like a little village, but it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's best, some of the best food and, um, it's yeah, really I, lo- cool I loved it. I, I went there on my trip. Do you probably get some clothes made there? <laughs> yeah, most people do. I, my highlight was renting these motorbikes and going up into the, I think, Bon Nang, some kind of hills, these unbelievable hills about an hour away. And that, that was just an amazing trip. So, so anyway, so you went there on your honeymoon. That, so where does that fit in in terms of like when you moved? Did you move with her to Vietnam for the coaching? Yeah, exactly. Um, she's an online entrepreneur as well, still doing that. And uh, basically like everything was, everything was going wrong. Like, you know, that marriage ended up failing. Uh, my house was flooded, dropped out of my, uh, PhD program. I had a blood clot in my brain, like basically everything was going wrong. And it was just, it was just time to, (laughs) to to run away for a while, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like a bad thing because what is, so walk us through, you get to Vietnam, you're doing this coaching. What are you learning? What's happening next? Yeah. And, and so there I started establishing the sort of habits of an entrepreneur, like reading, you know, a lot of business books and learning how to blog and uh, just learning how to connect with people online and you know, how to get someone to re- reply to an email. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these, all these basic skills that you need to sort of move through the online world. Um, and that's, that's where I started to think about podcasting. And I actually, I recorded a couple interviews, but the first interview I ever recorded was with this um, pretty famous pro cyclist. And I recorded only my side of the audio. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and I never, I never like told him about it. I never rescheduled with him. I just was so embarrassed that I just sort of like, didn't, didn't ever mention it again. Um, so that's why I always encourage people like do a test run of something with your friend before you have like a really famous person (laughs) that's counting on you. (laughs) Yeah. I've I've listened to podcasts before and, uh, even, you know, very well-known reputable ones, they'll they'll jump on one in a hundred times and say, I'm here with John Smith and I feel so bad because this is take two you know, we did the whole thing and, you know, it's like they did the first one probably for an hour and a half. And then the actual one that I'm listening to is like 36 minutes because they had to redo it and they're not going to do a whole cycle through. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> but then it's like, okay, uh, I asked some really good questions and I asked some not good questions. So if we did a take two, it's probably a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. If he's open to re-recording. So, okay. So this was while you were over there in Southeast Asia, you launched the, you did start the podcast. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we officially started in like September, 2014, maybe something like that. Um, and we did, a, that was my first time launching anything. You know, I called all, everybody I knew. I was like, Hey guys, go subscribe to my podcast. And, uh, that, that little did I know, you know, that's one of the skills that's come in super handy is just like asking people for a small favor to, to help you out. And, you know, if you ask 500 people to subscribe to your podcast, maybe, you know, a hundred of them will, and it takes them two or three minutes, but, uh, you know, you know, then these people are, they're like invested a little bit in this, in this thing and they start listening to it and some of them become your supporters and fans right. and maybe eventually they'll, they'll buy something from you or hire you or, uh, and so what, one thing that in retrospect is this ability to just like ask people for help, um, as an entrepreneur is, is super huge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I coach a lot of people on the process of, the sort of ask and you shall receive one of the new books that I've been reading and becoming very interested in is called rejection proof. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's this guy who uh, I believe worked in some kind of engineering role and he was always very entrepreneurial and wanted to do his own thing. And his journey led him to this story where he did this hundred day rejection challenge where he is would go up to Jai Jang. Is that? Yeah. 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 yeah okay, exactly. cool. Yeah. That's it's a good TED talk. Oh yeah. Yeah. He did a great Ted talk on, on what it's like to be rejection proof. And if you go online, you can see some, he has videos for all of the challenges. So one of the days was he just had to go give strangers $5 and you'd be shocked. Like people wouldn't take the money. And it's like, it's just so interesting. And then the, the better example would be him asking for something really big, asking for a stranger to lend him a hundred dollars and getting people to say yes. And, um, so so how, how have you found success? Because you found it with me and, I, and with your business. You are successful at making asks. How did you get there? And what would you say to someone who feels bad or guilty or isn't comfortable but should because it's a healthy thing to be able to ask your network for small favors? Uh, that's, that's a really good question. Um, partly, I think it's about um, not having rejection be about you know, they're not rejecting me, they're rejecting what I'm asking for. So separating my identity with what I'm asking for, you know, and even if, if I say uh, to, to my wife, like, will you watch the kid? And she's like, no, I'm busy. Like, I have to be okay with a yes or a no. Um, like, I'm the one that gets to ask. And then they're the ones that gets to decide, you know, if I say, if I ask someone to be on my podcast, and they're, they don't have time, like, there's nothing I can do. So, partly it's about, it's about separating that and, you know, not taking it personally. If they, they say, no, it's not, I don't, it's not, I don't like you. It's just, no, thank you. Um, and a, another part of it is I think tied to what, what your overall intention is. So, uh, maybe, maybe you ask your, your selling, um, coaching to someone and you know that you can really make a huge difference for them. You know, you can help them make money or lose weight or change their life in some way. And you, they're saying, uh, like, 
I'm not sure or no or whatever, but if you truly really want to help them, then you can, if you can figure out a way to make it work, like either with you or with someone else or have them make progress in some way. And so it's, then you're moving out of the realm of like, I just want you to say yes to pay me, but like looking for all the possible ways that I can help you get what you want, even if you don't end up hiring me. And so then it's more about the frame is like, I'm committed to helping you because I, I care or I'm interested for, for some reason, like whatever, whatever it is about them, you've, you found some, some special thing that you feel compelled to help them with. And then it's, then it's no longer about a yes or a no, but it's about, uh, changing someone's life. Right, right. You put the emphasis not on how can I make money off this person, but how can I genuinely help them and add value to their life? And yeah, you're going to make money along the way. Like if you help enough people, yeah. uh, some of them will become high paying clients and some of them you'll send to someone else and your friends will get paid. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we all make money that way. Yep, yep. No, that's very well said. So let's talk about your first marriage, if you're okay with it, um, I, w- I would love, you know, I'm really, I see you smiling. I'm very <laughs> focused right now in my own life. I, I feel like I have business coaching down pretty well. Like I do a lot of business coaching, entrepreneurship coaching, uh, all that stuff. I worked on Wall Street. I'm now very interested in helping people with relationships because I think relationship dissatisfaction is climbing and you seem to be very happily married. I don't want to pull any assumptions out of social media, but it does look like you have something good now. Could you talk about sort of your journey on a relationship side? Yeah. Uh, okay. So I haven't, I haven't really talked about being married previously publicly and this is, so this is fine. Um, basically, uh, as I reflect on the whole the whole thing, why, why I got married in the first place and you know, only lasted a year and a half. Uh, I wasn't really interested in getting married, but she was, and mm-hmm. it was a big expectation of hers that was very clear from the start. Like we would date for a couple of years and then we would get married or else we would break up. And I really liked being with her. And so I basically just got married cause I thought it would make her happy. And, um, it, it, you know, it really, it really wasn't, uh, it's not like, it's not a great reason to get married, uh, in the first place. And it was, it was one of those things where my intuition was telling me like, you probably shouldn't do this. Like, in fact, you should probably break up. Um, and the whole reason we were together in the first place, it was like a rebound relationship that just like worked out really well. And so there was just like a lot of fundamental things that uh, we are great friends, but per- perhaps not a great married couple. And so, so just like doing all this stuff to make her happier, to make her family happier, to make my family happy. Um, looking back, you know, was, it's kind of it's kind of silly to to spend you know tens of thousands of dollars on a on a wedding and invite all your friends. And I mean, it's a, it was an amazing party. Uh, and everyone had fun and like we had an amazing honeymoon, but the whole time, like if your gut says like, this isn't, this isn't right. Or, you know, even if it's 90% right, if it's not a hundred percent right, then you, sh- you should really listen. And I was, uh, I think the blood clot in my brain was related to me not listening to so many things. Like, you know, I was in the wrong career. I was in the wrong relationship. I was, 
so many, so many things just weren't working right. And I was just ignoring them all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, that's the major lesson for me is you, you can't just, you can't just ignore what you know is best for you forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I really want to honor you for sharing this because not only does it help me so much on my journey to hear you share this wisdom, but the listeners, I'm sure I'm going to get bullets, emails and Instagram DMS on this. So I really just want to honor you for being honest and vulnerable. It's very powerful. And a follow-up question would be, so you obviously seem to have learned how to honor your own needs and listen to your intuition now, but what do you think changed? What, what do you think you were there then and, and how did you evolve and how could other people learn from this and learn how to, you know, listen to themselves? It's a, I think it's a, it's probably one of the hardest skills is to know, like if you're, you know, like my intuition tells me I need to buy this new bicycle. Like uh, maybe that's just really good sales. <laughs> you know, like maybe that's just like, uh, or my intuition says eat this candy. Like, is that, is that really intuition or do you just, or do you just want it? So it's yeah. a, it's something, it's kind of hard to, to say exactly, but um, I think giving, first of all, when you, when things are really challenging, when, when like everything's hard and like everything's working against you and you just feel like you're pushing, 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 uh, that's a sign that there's something not quite clicking uh, because you shouldn't have to push all the time. Certainly there are, there are moments when you're pushing yourself to try something you've never done before. Uh, but most of the larger, more complex things like running a business and amazing relationship, like it should pull you along. It should be so compelling that you're obsessed with it. And, and it's super easy to, to just get pulled along. And so uh, most of my greatest successes have not, I haven't really noticed that they're a ton of work, even though they are, mm. uh, because I'm so addicted and obsessed with, with how amazing and fun they are. And uh, I think a lot of things have been happening to me where it's like, wow, this is too good to be true. Like everything's happening so easily. Like um, with this, with this book uh, that's just come out, it was like, I feel like it was just an accident. Like I accidentally got a publishing contract and accidentally wrote this amazing book and, <laughs> and now it's out. And I was like, did this, how did this even happen? Like two years ago it was an idea and now it's here. And it's like, what? And things when you're, when you're listening to your intuition and when you're following the right path, it just happens sort of effortlessly. Yeah. And when you're really struggling and fighting and pushing and, it's that's that's little red flags being like hey something isn't quite perfect here uh just have a look at this and and see what it, what do you think it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no i i just want the listeners to also like really take that point in about how it can be effortless like when you send out the right signals to the universe you put the certain efforts in i remember when I pivoted from selling an online Instagram course to wanting to impact people in a deeper way and say, Hey, I want to do this type of coaching. Once I put out a couple stories on Instagram, put out a couple advertisements, boom, my calendar's full with these calls with potential clients. And you're like, wait a minute, shouldn't be this easy. And it's like, yeah, but if this is my calling and my passion and I'm following it, it can be. So uh, I thank you for sharing that. I want to talk about the book, hear all about that in a minute. 
but just quickly on the relationship recap. So when you, when you think about all you've grown so much from it, it taught you so many lessons, you're sharing these lessons with other people. Did you find at all that you were staying, you went through with it because you thought it could potentially just avoid a messy situation, which then ultimately it probably wound up being more messy long-term having to undo it. And if so, how do you, what would you say to someone who's kind of in a situation, whether it's a relationship or a business or anything, a job where they know it's not right deep down, but they're just like, don't want to face that feeling. But you know that if they don't face it now, it's going to be a hundred times worse in two years when there's kids involved or there's a divorce or there's a, you know, a job problem or a lawsuit. How, you know, how do you face that bandaid rippage? Yeah, man. Uh, it was, I mean, partly right. I was, uh, not being brave. Essentially I was, I was super comfortable and we are humans. We're creatures of comfort and ease. And it was like, Ugh, I just don't want to change anything. Uh, and that's one of the hardest things is to like go from, uh, something that's working well and give that up to find something that's working better. Um, whether that's a career relationship, whatever, and people that are super successful uh, are very decisive and they're like, this is not as good as it can be. I'm like cutting this out and I'm moving on to the next thing. And uh, the, you know, the longer you sit in something that's, that's just okay, uh, that's working is like holding you back from, from potential legendary greatness. So it's, uh, I mean, some, some people and you know, what I ended up doing was, like slowly sabotaging the relationship and like people do this with addiction, you know, there's something's not working and they slowly like try to drink themselves into numbness or, or whatever it might be. Uh, it, it takes either a, a single moment of like getting fed up with the situation and making a change like right then and there, or it takes someone like opening up to someone that cares about you and they can help you. Uh, whether it's your best friend or family member or life coach. Um, but deep down it's, it's about like, yes, speaking out loud, I suppose, honestly, like the situation. Um, and then, you know what, like the very worst possible thing you can imagine, like if it's, if it's getting a divorce or losing your job or whatever, uh, which I've gotten divorced and lost my job five times <laughs> and I'm, I'm super happy. <laughs> like it doesn't last. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, people so. get stuck in the short-term <laughs> aftermath. You can go through the worst divorce ever, but if it wasn't the right marriage and then three years later you meet the love of your life and you experience that for the next 50, 60 years. You know, right, thank goodness, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well done. It's funny because you've had seven jobs and you've been fired from five. I've had two jobs. Pretty much been fired from both. So I, I love that story though. When people come to me, and they're like, Brendan, I just got fired. I say, congratulations. Might be a sign you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, thanks again for sharing that on um, the relationships. Yeah, it, really, it helps me. It helps our listeners a lot. And and doesn't just apply to relationships. That applies to business, to jobs, to even family, friendships. And now I want to talk, get back to your story. I want to hear more on sort of the transition in terms of coaching from cycling to now what you coach. But I also want to hear about this book release. So you said you, you got a book deal? 
Yeah. Uh, so what you want? To, what do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about that's you, that's two. You have two different books going on, right? Uh, Superconductors is, is actually it's coming out in two days, um, and okay. that's that's like the the big one. My my solo solo endeavor. Um, so we can talk about that. We can talk about that if you want. Yeah, let's um, talk about both. Whatever you prefer. Yeah. So Superconductors. Um, so someone, a guest, came on my podcast. Uh, he's he's a publisher, and he said, you know, having a book is great for building credibility you can uh you can get speaking opportunities or you can raise your rates as a coach and all these things and i was like oh that sounds awesome i should probably have a book um so he basically convinced me and my listeners that having a book was a good thing and then uh you know probably the next guest came on and said hey i have this um, crowdfunding platform called publishizer where you can crowdfund your book and then we'll match you with the publisher once you sort of prove this proof of concept. If you get enough people to pre-order your book, then publishers like that, right? They like when people bring an audience, the authors bring an audience with them. So how many them- people kind of roughly speaking, do they want to see on that crowdfund? Yeah. So I had a target of 250 pre-orders of the book. We got mm-hmm. 255 or something like that. And, nice. uh, you know, if, if we only had 200, we probably still would have generated some interest, but uh, it was pitched to something like 60 publishers and 19 of them were interested. I had conversations with four of them and one of them uh, offered me good, good terms on a publishing contract and they have a a great reputation. Kogan page. They've been uh, publishing in the business space for 75 years or something like that. And it was it was a great opportunity to to really expand the reach, you know. And this book is distributed globally, which is super cool. Um, it's actually quite popular in developing countries, uh, the Middle East and Southeast Asia. Um, so, it's a it's a it's a book about the future of work and and career resilience and things like that. Um, but so they they offered me this contract, and then all of a sudden, like uh, I created this thing, and now I have to follow through. Mm. So they're like, okay, like chapter deadlines, you know, meetings with your editor, you know, final deadlines, cover design, all this stuff. And it just sort of like, I, I say this analogy of, I, I created a river and then I fell in it <laughs> uh, and just got swept along. And, yeah. and really there's, there's no turning back. I just like, I had to write the words, I had to do the work and, and it got made and now it's on bookshelves and it's like, holy crap, like it's just a, such a whirlwind and like accidental thing. And, you know, I know people try to get publishers, uh, you know, they pitch like so many, like Tim Ferriss, he said he, he pitched for our work week to like 28 publishers and they all rejected him. And the 29th one said yes. Yeah. And for me, it was just like, oops, I wrote a book, (laughs) which is kind of, it's kind of, kind of crazy to think about. Um, but I'm, but I'm really happy I got to participate in the whole process and see how traditional publishing works. And it's so much better with a, a real editing team behind it, making sure that all your sources are cited and that your language is clear and precise. And uh, the product just came out really, really crisp. Congratulations, man. That's exciting. I, 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 I'd be really curious sort of a little bit more information in terms of that process of the, the deadlines, how much time do you have, you know, what, what's that like? What, what's it like when it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night and you're tired, but you've got a chapter to write. How do you manage that? Well, it's, it's so funny. You know, the first call to my editor, she was like setting forth a, 
a calendar, like publishing, you know, sending her two chapters a month for the first, there's 10 chapters in the book. So five months to write the book essentially for a first draft. And I was like, you know, I can, I can write a chapter super fast. I'm writing these blog posts. I can turn out a thousand words in an hour. So 60,000 words and 60 hours. Like, you know, I can do that. I can write a whole book in a month. Uh, <laughs> and she's like, okay, but first time authors, you know, they overestimate their ability. I'm like, I'm not like other people. Like I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, four months in, I haven't sent her anything. I have a bunch of half finished chapters. And oh she's like, God. where are the chapters? And I'm like, um, well, they're, they're like 90% done, but I still want to make them better. And she's like, just send them to me. Like, I need to see what you're doing. And then, uh, then I didn't want to because they weren't quite finished. And that's the whole time you feel like this isn't quite done. It's not quite perfect. And even after 12 rounds of edits, I feel like it could be better, but it just had to get out there. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's something you know, an author told me in the beginning. He said, like, your, your book's never going to be done, but you have to, like, the deadlines are there, so you just stop and get it out because that's more important than making it perfect. Um, so yeah, de- the deadlines were super important. Just having someone on there be like, give me the chapters I'll give you the feedback and then, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you manage that? Like the letting go baby as it were, because if you, you live in tech space where you could take a blog post down, you can update it. I'm, I'm used to this very iterative, even if a podcast doesn't come out right, I don't have to publish it. If I have an online course, I can redo a chapter at any point in the future. But the book, I mean, yeah, you can do a second edition release, but that could take years. Like, how do you, how do you let go of the perfectionism on that? I don't know. That's a, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I kind of I started saying, like, okay, this is my first book. Like, I know that it's not going to be as good as my second book. And that's okay because it's going to be freaking amazing. Uh, you know, there's, there's something like 200 interviews and four or 500 uh, references that went into this book. And it's, it's, as, good as, it's as good as I can do um, with, the, with the short two years that I had. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I just, I just have to be happy with my, my first effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great attitude. And you're also collaborating and organizing another book project, correct? Yeah, so this is, um, this is kind of fun. Um, and I, I do this often where I come across an idea that I like and I'll, and I'll adapt it. So I was, uh, I was part of a collaborative book project called The Better Business Book. Um, Tyler Wagner with Authors Unite, he, he's published several editions of this book by now. And so I took the idea of a collaborative book and I created one for coaches to basically we curate a bunch of exercises that these coaches use with their clients. Um, and we've, uh, it's coming out in October. Basically, it's, uh, it's called Activate Your Life, but it's 50 exercises from 50 coaches um, for things like uh, financial clarity or relationships or, or life goals or, or whatever it might be. Um, and then you have access to this, this manual of exercises that normally you'd have to hire a coach for. Mm. Uh, and then like everybody gets to become a first time author and like get the, get the cobwebs off so that, that maybe they can move on to writing a, you know, a feature length book and get their name out there. And so, so it's, um, it's one of those things like how, how do you, how do you help more people? How do you, how do you scale something? And, um, 
yeah, just, uh, that's, that's another thing There's sort of an idea and then like, let's see if it works. And then people wanted it. And so we just kept going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's interesting how it can sort of give you some experience as a writer because you participated in one of these, right? Right. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, this is, it's pretty straightforward. You know, like you don't have to write 60,000 words, just write a thousand words or 1500 words. And yeah, you're technically a, a, an author or contributing author. And so um, if, if the thing that gets people hung up with, there's so many ways to get hung up being an author, right? Like first you have to write a good book. Then you have to either publish it yourself or find a publisher. And there's like so many steps along the way where you could, where you could just give up because it's challenging. Right. And so if, if we all just come together and help each other do it, then it's, it's much easier. Mm. And then it's not so unknown too, because the publishing world is sort of this big thing. Like if you, if you haven't been part of it, it's, you have no idea what's going on, right? It's just, uh, as with anything, you just got to be part of it to find out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It, it, what you just said reminds me a lot of this book that I just read called The Courage to Be Disliked. And it's very fascinating. It was written in Japanese and then translated, I think years later, just recently into English as very focused on psychology. And one of the, my biggest takeaways was the importance of finding out a way to succeed with your interpersonal relationships. And I don't know how much this resonates with you, but in my past, especially in career situations, but also romantically, I avoided you know, the intimacy of connecting with other people. And part of my story was I worked in finance and it doesn't help, you know, if I go into that being, let's say in the past, a more sensitive person and I'm dealing with these extremely intense, often drug abusing Wall Street people, I avoided those interpersonal relationships. And part of why I started an online business was I said, whoa, this can create a lot of space in between other people. And initially, I used my business as a way to isolate. Now, obviously, you know me today. I'm traveling around the world. I'm connecting with people, doing live events, podcasts, in-person stuff all the time. And I'm really thriving because of my ability to jump into these interpersonal relationships. But it's something that in the past, I've really avoided. So when you talk about this book project, the power of collaborating with other people sounds like a really powerful tool. And I'm curious, how do you work with other people in collaborative ways that has enhanced your either coaching business or the retreats you do or your podcast? Uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. And, and first, like the, the first thing that pops up is um, also, you know, clearly like you're choosing which relationships you, you leap into. Mm-hmm. And uh, like if there's some coworker who is, you know, a, a drugged up guy, like you, you don't have a choice. And so one of the great things about being an entrepreneur uh, in many senses is that you can vet who you do business with or who become your clients through conversations and you get to know people. And uh, many of my clients have listened to my show for a long time or have met me in person or are my friends. And uh, then this sort of like work-life balance like kind of goes out the window because you're, you're helping your friends make money and they're your clients, but they're also your friends. And, and so the whole, the whole, thing starts to get blurry and uh there's there's always opportunities for collaborations um opportunities to make money that are sort of i mean there's there's infinite opportunities that are just like waiting to come to you and so 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 here's an interesting example like i had a guy on my show 
super fascinating. Uh, Andrew Miles hosts the Botanical Biohacking Podcast. I'm uh, really, really interested in sort of uh, traditional uh, herbalist pharmacology for like human performance enhancement. Um, mm-hmm. It's just an interesting conversation. And then I, uh, I floated him this idea. I was like, like you can have anything uh, that could help make me a better cyclist. Got any suggestions? You know, I don't want, I don't want to take drugs, but I kind of want the same effect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like what, what do you got? And he was like, yeah. well, like uh, I know this tribe in China that has these, they're like super, super runners and uh, they live in this really harsh conditions and they have these herbs that they, they take so that they can run, you know, 50 miles in between their villages and things like that. And we started kicking around this idea about creating an herbal supplement for endurance athletes. And this isn't sort of like, I've never created a physical product. I've never created any supplements. It's a whole new world, but it just out of a conversation, it, uh, there's so many things that seem right. And so we're still in the beginning phases, like this could come to nothing or it could, we could create an entire supplement company. Um, but like we have the supply chain, we have the medical experts, we have, uh, contact in the endurance world. Like we have the entire business basically sketched out if we decide to go forward with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The power of just that having someone on your show and being open-minded takes you into this crazy direction of a potential product that could be very successful. And yeah, it's, it would be super fun, right? Just, just, to, uh, what I, what I'm doing right now is like, I'm just giving it to my friends and we're going to, we're going to all see if it works. And, uh, and if it does and like, let's, you know, take the next step. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier because you have all this entrepreneurship experience and business experience now. And we were talking about, I think in the similar vein of like making asks, we said that you were learning along this way and becoming a coach, how to get people to reply to your emails. And I know that you obviously have this large podcast and you, I'm sure you've reached out to a lot of people along the way. So the immediate question is what's your sort of mentality or like more than just the words themselves, like how do you get people to come onto your show? And then I guess to extrapolate it for the listeners, how do you, you know, how do you get someone's attention? How do you get someone to, you know, maybe do something that you want or, you know, in some kind of like sales or outreach fashion? Yeah. So, so this is being able to email well is a, is a indicator of being able to sort of written communication in general uh, to communicate well. And that's a super important skill, whether you're telling your team to do something. Uh, I just had like a huge thing actually with this, with this collaborative book project where I like sort of said one thing and like, didn't, wasn't clear enough. And like, my team took it in the total opposite direction. So then we had people like doing all kinds of different things and we all needed to be unified. So it's like, Oh my gosh, uh, just one sentence like caused this whole mess. So communication, written communication is super important. Yeah. Um, so I'm always keeping in mind a few things like being brief, like three, three sentences, maybe five sentences in an email. Yeah. Uh, I want to make it as easy as possible for someone to say yes. So, so I want to build some credibility. I want, them to know that I'm not just some random guy off the street. So if I can get an introduction, that's even better. But if I'm cold pitching someone, like I found it amazing that Jim Rogers, a legendary, the Indiana Jones of investing, billionaire investor, one 
sent in one email, like five sentences, you know, and ended with, would you like to be a guest on my show? And, or are you interested in being a guest on my show? And he said, yes, let's set it up. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like <clears throat> so cool that I can connect with this guy so quickly. Yeah. But I had done lots of research. Um, I, I knew that he was a good fit for the show. He's, he's not only an adventurer, but, but a, you know, a legendary investor. Um, probably some of your listeners know of him. Yeah. And um, so some of the, some of the keys to him saying, yes, we're, we're just making him feel like I knew what I was doing. And so he was going to be safe. Um, uh, also for billionaires, I feel like uh, they, they want to give back. So, so there was a few things I was like, I want to, I want to dig in specifically to uh, how you invested when you were on your around the world road trip. So I had a very clear topic that I wanted to talk to him about, but then um, I specifically my wording at the end, I said, are you interested? And then all he has to type back is yes or no. Just that's the shortest possible reply he could reply. So if he says yes, then I say, okay, cool. Um, here's my calendar. Let's schedule a date. Here's, here's how it works. And then we can sort of sort out the details in a further chain of emails. Yeah. If he said, if he says no thanks or not right now, well, that doesn't take him much time either. So, but if, if I send him a really long email with like, here's everything about my show and here's what it takes. And like, uh, I ask that you share it with your audience. Once we do the interview, it's, it's way too much and people aren't even going to finish the email. Yeah. So just being, just being really precise about the initial emails that you send, getting people to pre-commit to doing something like he said, yes. Okay. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen now. So then it's just a matter of the, the working out the details. I love that. Got to just make it, keep it really simple and make it easy for them. You know, don't overwhelm them with tech or, you know, something this long and they don't even know what to do with the email and then just make it a one word reply. Yeah. And when people send me long emails asking for something like I chances are, I probably won't read them and I probably won't respond because it just, my mind goes to mush and I'm like, okay, next thing. Mm. And so sorry, if you've ever sent me an email like that, that um, send me a shorter one. <laughs> and <I'll reply. laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's the, uh, what's the best email you've ever gotten from a fan listener client? Uh, well, I just, uh, I got a great email and this is, this is such a perfect example of someone who sees an opportunity and then tries to take it. He's like, Hey, I love your show. Um, I am starting my own marketing agency. Uh, I'd love to intern with you. I'd love to volunteer my time with you, uh, using my new marketing skills for, for one of your projects. Uh, is this something that you'd be open to talking about? And then it's like, well, yeah, I'd be open to that. Um, yeah, I, I know that you listen to my show. I know he knows what I'm about. And so he's going to help, help us manage the, the launch of the collaborative book project. And then he'll have a marketable, sellable thing. Like I can, I can help market your best-selling book um, that he can go and, and sell repeatedly again. It's so, so it's a win-win for everyone. And, and it wouldn't have happened if he hadn't have just had an idea to, to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. So, I love, I love that. And I know that already from seeing someone do that, I know that he's the type of person that will take initiative and want to try things, which is a great team member to have on your team. Absolutely. So closing in on the hour here, I want to, we haven't even talked about travel at all. 
<laughs> I know that's how we originally, how we met, met each other originally. Yeah, yeah. You're the art of adventure. I ran a travel Instagram and blog for over a year. Um, let's just do it like hot seat style or rapid fire. What's, uh, what's your favorite trip? Coolest place you've been? Place you want to go back to? Uh, I think the best country is Slovenia. Mm. Have you been Slovenia? I've been to Slovakia and when I was in that region, I remember it was like becoming this hot country. It looked, looked a lot like Switzerland from the pictures, like really beautiful. Slovenia, uh, so Slovakia and Slovenia get confused a lot. Slovakia yeah. was part of Czechoslovakia and yeah. it's right next to the Czech Republic. Slovenia yeah. is next to Italy and Austria and Croatia. It's so it has, has Mediterranean coastline. It has Alps. It has wine regions. It has... Uh, castles and it has uh, whitewater. It's basically like all the best adventure activities crammed into this tiny little country with culture and it's not expensive. So it's, I, Heidi and I, uh, my wife were always talking like, okay, should we get a house there? Like, should we, should we move to Slovenia? It's so, so perfect. Um, So, but I've only only spent like two weeks there. (laughs) Yeah, no, that sounds cool. And then, uh, Anywhere you, what, what's on like the, I've never been, I'm dying to go list. Iceland for sure is at the top of that list. Um, partly because it's just beautiful for experiencing and photographic, I'm sure. Uh, partly, um, I'm just really curious uh, sort of spiritually because I've had various astrologers and shamans and people from like different countries be like oh you should be in iceland like your life will change when you go to iceland and i'm like a little bit scared to go there i'm a little bit excited don't know what to expect but it's like i don't know it's like the one place where all the astrological vortexes come together for my particular you know birthday or whatever so i don't know there's a lot of reasons to go and it's also a little bit like i want to be ready for whatever's coming if i if i do go there (laughs) yeah that's cool i've been to iceland a few times and i love it but sounds like you might have a different experience and who knows maybe i'll just go and be like "Mm, that was pretty fun (laughs) all over blood (laughs) cool well derek i really appreciate you coming on the show this has been a blast where can people find you online and get where can they get more info on the books yeah thanks for having me brennan um dereklaudermilk.com is where all everything lives including the art of adventure podcast uh the show notes are there the book superconductors out july 28th and you can find that in bookstores i'm pretty excited i hope i hope to like find it in airport bookstores so i can um pick pick out a copy for myself when i'm going through i, I don't know <laughs> just it's these these funny little things that you get a kick out of um you know i was in the airport uh, last year and I was looking at the the bookshelf and you know it has like top 10 business books for 2017 and five of the top 10 had, you know were like just guests on my podcast I was like no no kidding like my friends are on the bookshelf like I need to be on the bookshelf with them yeah and uh so I so I hope hope that uh experience happens at some point um but yeah this uh the book is superconductor to revolutionize your career and make big things happen we look at the strategy around what skills you're going to need to make yourself more valuable in the marketplace of the future and how you can be resilient even when your 
normal role is being replaced by robots or AI or outsourced or mm. whatever it might be. Um, yes. So check it out. I'm sure you'll learn something. Um, yeah, I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to put it. Uh, I'm going to put the links in the, just send me whatever links you got for it when it drops so I can put it in the show notes for everybody. And most importantly, I can't wait for my next vacation because when I'm in the airport and I'm, I see the bookstore, whoever I'm going with, I'm going to be able to say, I know that guy. <laughs> he came on my show. And, um, and I really, I really uh, appreciate you inspiring us because I think when you walk into a bookstore or you go see a movie, you think that there's this big wall and there's like just these very special geniuses on the other side of the wall that have it all figured out and they're the ones who write the books. And, and for me to know you and see your journey, you're really inspiring me to say, Hey, I can do this too. And you're and a lot of the listeners out there. You're giving them a lot of inspiration to go do big things and not necessarily settle, whether it's with a relationship or a job or five of their seven jobs, whatever it is. <laughs> I really, I really personally appreciate the inspiration and I know listeners are going to feel that too. So Derek, thanks again so much for coming on the show. Yeah, Brennan, thanks for having me. It's been, a, it's been fun.